Welcome to Common Ground Church Rondebosch, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who He says He is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in Scripture and dependent on God's Spirit. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Please continue listening for today's message. Morning, church. Uh, So I'm reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, reading from verse 42 to 47. Um, It's subtitled, The Fellowship of the Believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Moyo. Moyo goes to our life group, so we've been getting to know him a little bit. Morning, everybody. My name's Louise, for those of you who I haven't met yet. Delighted to be with you today. Um, The elders, the invitation to preach was, let's have a mother in the house preach on Mother's Day. Yes, Yes. and then uh, that was a little bit intimidating because I'm like, aren't I just like a younger sister? But no, I'm a mother in the house. um, And come and preach on a family value. Come and preach on something that's important to us. And I'm absolutely excited to do that. This is one of those messages that I've been more and more excited about as I prep for it. Um, But just to locate where we are, if you've been journeying with us as a community, you know that this year, our primary teaching focus is in the book of Galatians. We've spent a lot of time there, and then we've paused that journey at the moment for six weeks. Last week, we had a standalone message on baptism. My preached, if you were here, it was amazing. Today, we've got this like family message, and next week, we are launching a four-week series called God and Money. You'll remember last year, we did God and Sexuality. This year, God and Money, tackling another big topic. And what is God's heart for us in this important area? And over four weeks, you'll see the topics we're gonna be covering. We invite you to come along and be part of that. But today is a family day. And so I wanna start by talking about the mothers in the room, because there are some mothers in the room today. And um, we don't actually see Mother's Day itself in the Bible. It's not a biblical thing. But we see in the Bible this commandment, both the Old and the New Testament has this commandment to honor your mother and your father, to honor your mother. And so that's what we wanna do today, not in a commercial way, not in a kind of consumeristic way, but just to pause and take a moment to reflect and to thank and honor the mothers in the room. Because as a community, we do value motherhood. We see that it's significant, we see that it's important. We believe it's essential in the flourishing of the home and the family. And that's not a very popular view today, We know that some people even take offense to the word mother. They wanna replace it with the word birthing person. But that's not us. We see from the early pages of the Bible, right from Genesis, that God created woman. And as part of his call to them, part of his design mandate was this call to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And part of that is having children. Part of that is being a family. 
And so throughout scripture, mothers appear. Throughout scripture, motherhood is an important calling. We know God loves women. Jesus particularly, we see in his life how he makes time for and notices and cares for and dignifies the women around him. And so in this family, this is a spiritual family, almost a spiritual household, we know there are many mothers, there are spiritual mothers in this family and we wanna honor you and we wanna thank you. And so we do just take this moment and, and we don't wanna be insensitive to the fact we know it's a hard day for many people for a number of reasons. I think of someone who just this week lost her mom and I know today's gonna be hard for her. We wanna be sensitive to that, but we do wanna say, moms, we see you and we thank you and we may only have given you a little lint ball, but we love you and we appreciate you. And so let's honor the moms in the room. So today I don't get to be with my mom. She's actually overseas with my older sister in the UK. But something that I've always appreciated about my mom is her ability to cook the most amazing roast dinner. Okay, so she comes from the UK. I think they have like a, a gene in them that they just have. So I want you to picture it and I hope I don't lose you and you start to think about lunch. But there's those vegetables and my mom always makes the most amazing like creamy white sauce or cheese sauce, perfectly roasted meat. If it's beef, Yorkshire pudding. If it's pork, we've got that crackling and she can get it just right. Apple sauce. If it's lamb, Mint sauce, mm, can you smell it? Gravy, thick. But the, the highlight of all, roast potatoes. Legendary roast potatoes. My mom makes the best roast potatoes in the world. And we have a bit of a family competition in our house about who can eat the most roast potatoes. Now, Alan, he had that record. He was in the lead. Then my brother-in-laws arrived. Particularly the younger brother-in-law, Terry, who has legs for days and somehow just beat him, beat that record. But those roast potatoes are phenomenal. One day my mom wasn't feeling so well. She still had us over for lunch and she decided she was gonna cheat and she was gonna make those Woolies frozen roast potatoes, okay? So she serves them and it's like shock and horror at the table. We're like, what are you doing? And if you've had those Woolies roast potatoes, I mean, they are amazing. I use them because I can't, <laughs> I can't cook roast potatoes, but you must know how good her roast potatoes are. So I want you to have that picture in your mind, that roast dinner meal. And what's amazing about that meal is for us as a family, it's an excuse. It's an excuse to gather, to get around the table, to chat, to catch up, to hear the news. That's where we tell the stories. That's where we share our memories. And isn't that what mothers so often do? They connect us and they give us that excuse to gather and be together, often around a meal, often around a table. And we're a family and every now and then we gather we gather, and that's actually what I wanted us to talk about today. So keep that image, some of you are visualizing it very well, roast dinner around the table, the picture of gathering. And that's what I wanna talk about today because it's a value to us, it's a priority to, to us when we gather. And so I've called today's message, the beauty when God's people gather. It's a beautiful thing. And we're gonna look at five reasons why we think it's important to gather as God's people. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive right in. God, we wanna thank you that you are here with us. We don't wanna take for granted that as we gather, we are your people. And so we invite you by your spirit, through your presence, to come and speak to us, to come and shape us. Whenever we open your word, we wanna do so humbly. 
We want to ask you to use it to shape us and form us and to make us more like your son. Amen. Amen. Right, so the first reason that we gather as a church is that it's biblical. It's what we see in scripture. A couple of weeks ago, I met up with um, some kind of family friends. I'm getting to know them and they found out that I go to church and they were like, oh, what kind of church do you go to? Is it, is it part of a denomination? And I was like, no. And then they were like, well, what, do you follow a blue book and it tells you what to do? And I was like, no. <laughs> and then they were like, so how do you know what to do? How do you? I said, well, we call ourselves a Bible-based church and that's our book. And so we look at that book and if it, that will tell us what to do or not to do. And so that's where I want us to start this morning because I want us to see, well, what does God's word say? What is God's heart in this? And if this is your first time in this church or back in church, then this is gonna give you some good insight into the kind of church we are and what we value. So let's start by what do we see in scripture? And because it's foundational, I'm gonna spend quite a bit of time here just trying to see what is God's heart for us on this. If we go back to the Old Testament, the Greek word that is used is the word ecclesia. And that describes these physical shoulder-to-shoulder gatherings of God's people, an assembly. You, you can all remember, some of you still live in the school assembly, you know what I mean, physically together, gathered together. And so we see these Old Testament gatherings of the assembly, the ecclesia. They gather to worship, they gather to hear the word of God. And what this does is it's crucial in making the people of God, the kingdom of God visible to the nation of Israel. And there are lots of examples. I've chosen just a few of them and pop them there on the screen. So we see the Israelites, they gather at the, at the base of Mount Sinai on the day of the assembly, the day of the ecclesia. Moses gathers all the people together in an assembly to give them instruction, to share God's law with them and offers a charge to the assembly At various points, the nation gather as an assembly before God, often to hear his word, to hear his law. We see King Solomon, centuries later, he's built this beautiful temple for God's presence, and he dedicates that temple in the presence of the ecclesia, the assembly, and he prays to God. And in the Psalms, often we get this reference to worshiping together in the assembly. So we see it through the Old Testament. Now, when we move to the New Testament, that same word, ecclesia, is used by the New Testament writers to talk about the local church. So again, it's the word for gathering, but it's against that Old Testament, those rich Old Testament connotations of the chosen people of God gathering together. And it's against that backdrop that we hear Jesus' words when he speaks in Matthew He says, I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia. So he's kind of saying, I'm coming to build a new gathering, a new assembly. And what's amazing about this new assembly, this new chosen people, is that it's open to all. And that's what we've seen as we've journeyed through Galatians. It's open to Jew and to Gentile, to all nations, to all people, that all are invited to be part of this chosen people. Now let's go to that passage that Moya read for us just now, for Acts chapter two. Let's put it in context. What has happened is Jesus has ascended to heaven, and in fact this week, that's what we get to celebrate. Thursday's Ascension Day, we get to remember and celebrate that. And he tells his disciples to wait. And so they're in Jerusalem waiting, they gathered together. And as they wait, 
the Holy Spirit gets poured out on them in a very powerful way. And it causes a little bit of chaos and commotion and people gather to see what's happening. Peter preaches and it's a powerful sermon. People believe and are baptized. Mike spoke about this last week. 3,000 people get added to the church in one day. And then we get to these verses, which kind of describe what that early church was like. And, and these Acts two, the Acts 2 church is almost a, a blueprint, a prototype for us on what the, the church should be like. In our DNA journey, we talk about these verses a lot because this is the kind of church that we wanna be. And sometimes we can look at that and feel, oh, it's quite unattainable, it's quite lofty. So let's just go through it and, and just break it down as we read it and see what what is this church doing? What are they about? So it says, and they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. There was a sense of commitment and devotion and priority, a sense of, yes, this is important. What were they committing themselves to? To the apostles' teaching, so we see God's word being taught. The fellowship, there's that connection with each other. To the breaking of bread, so they practice the sacrament of communion. And the prayers, there's that vertical connection with God as they pray. What happens? All came upon every soul. There's reverence, there's worship because of what's happening in their midst. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. There were miracles happening. And as you read Acts, you see those miracles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. There's a beautiful unity amongst the people. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Look at how generosity and care for others overflows from this community. And day by day, there's the regularity, there's the habit, attending the temple together, there's that gathering, the ecclesia, and breaking bread in their homes, so they're in homes in smaller groups. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Meals together, community, in a home. Praising God. They're worshiping, they're delighting in him. And having favor with all the people. Note that they're a community that's known and loved by the people around them. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here we see they're on mission. They're not a closed group, no. People get added to their number. And that gives us such a beautiful picture of the church. And you'll see there that there are these two ways that the church gathers. They gather together in the temple, the ecclesia, and they gather in homes. And by now, I think you know that we are a church that values gathering in homes. We talk about that a lot. We talk about small groups. We talk about life groups. We talk about that's the place to belong. That's the place to know and be known. Small groups are the place that help to make big church feel small and intimate and close. So we talk about that a lot. It's a, a big value for us. But today, I'm not focusing on that. Today, I'm focusing on this ecclesia, this time of gathering together. So as we move through the rest of the New Testament, we see Paul then writing instructions to the New Testament churches about what they should do when they are together. And he says things like, when you come together as a church and the whole church comes together, it's a when, not a if. So it's a regular thing that's happening. It's a priority, it's a habit. It's not an optional extra. 
And when he gives the instructions on what should be happening, if you have a look at this next slide, these are all things that you have to have someone else there to do them. There has to be a togetherness for this to happen. Speak to instruct others, bring a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, teach, admonish one another, sing, read, encourage, share the Lord's Supper, see the one another element there. You can't do those things on your own. These are things to do together. And that Hebrews 10 verse, it says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Don't neglect it, Paul says. Make it a priority, make sure you get there. And we see that this gathering is never gonna end. And we, when we look at Revelations, we see that one day we are all gonna be gathered together. Revelation seven gives us this image of the new heaven, it says, and before me was a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So from the Old Testament right through to Revelation, we get these pictures of God's people gathering the ecclesia side by side, shoulder to shoulder. It's the biblical pattern, it's the biblical priority, it's the instruction that we see to gather, to be together. And I think it's timely to speak into this because one of the things we've seen, it's, it's wonderful, it's this wonderful kind of post-COVID appetite to be together with God's people. And the story of this community is people coming back to church, coming back um, to be together because we missed it so much. But it's gotta be more than just like a nice to have because otherwise when the novelty wears off or when life gets busier again, and it is getting busier again, if it's not a value, if it's not a priority and a habit for us, we, we can just stop coming. And I think sometimes we're a little bit forgetful just remember how yucky COVID was. And remember when we were in our lounge and we were just like, if only we could be together. And then we were allowed to gather, but it, initially it was just in small groups in homes. So we were gathering in homes, but that longing. And I don't know if you remember the first Sunday you were back, but I remember standing here, mask on, you can't breathe, tears streaming down my face. Just that relief to be together with God's people, it's such a beautiful value. Let's, let's not forget that, let's keep hungry, let's keep the privilege of this gathering together. And my caution is, I don't want us to hear this word today as, oh, this is a have to, this is an obligation. Come, I must quickly add this to my list of things to do to be a good Christian, tick, tick, tick. No, our journey through Galatians has been teaching us, Christ is everything, and so our salvation is Christ plus nothing. We don't have to do anything, we're freed from the law. But I'd love us to see this not as a I have to, but as a I get to. And there's something beautiful about this, the privilege of gathering together as God's people. So let's move to the second reason why it's important to gather. We gather to be a family. We gather to become visible to each other. This is an expression of the family. Both our kids have been playing basketball as they've hit high school. And how do they know they're on the basketball team? It's not because their name is on a list, on a, like a notice board somewhere or on the coach's list. They know they're in the team because they arrive to the practice. <clears throat> they play in the match. They are physically part of the team. That's how they know they're part of the team. And what makes you part of this family, it's not your name on a list, on a database. No, you're part of this family because you're here and you show up. 
By gathering as a church, we are becoming visible to one another. So I'm here, you can see me, (laughs) and you're here, and I see you. In South Africa, there's this beautiful Zulu greeting, Sawabona. And Sawabona means, I see you, I see you. But it's not just, hey, I see you. No, I see you and I recognize your worth and I recognize your dignity. You are valuable to me. And inherent in the belief of Sawabona is when others see me, then I exist, because I am seen. So look around here, Sawabona each other. I see you, I see you. And that's what we do. When we come to Christ, we, we get saved into a family, we become part of a body. We're one of many, we're not on our own. Our faith is not an isolated thing. And so when we gather together to be a family, that's how we express that we're part of a body, part of a family. It's that gift of presence that I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna be in the room. And it's not just I'm gonna show up and observe and watch and be detached. No, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna be involved, and so the, the invitation is participate, lean in, contribute. We have a little axiom, you may have heard it, no bums on seats, no bums on seats. We're not interested in people just coming to sit, no, come and be, come and be part of us. Uh, earlier this year, we said goodbye to Craig and Chrissy Woods. Craig and Chrissy have been part of this community for 20 years, more, more than 20, and they've relocated to Zim, and she was reflecting on her experience here at Common Ground, and she wrote this. We've seen that when you get up, dress up, turn up at church or life group or an area of involvement, even if you don't feel like it, and especially when you don't feel like it, that God responds every single time in our lives and in others. I love that. Get up, dress up, turn up. It's a beautiful reminder. When we gather, we experience and and we are an expression of family together. And it's connecting with the wider family, not just the people in the life group, not just people who are just like you. There's a beautiful diversity in the family, mothers, fathers, grandparents, those older brothers and sisters, the younger brothers and sisters. That's what happens when we gather together. We express that beautiful diversity of God's family and we get to express the unity of God's family. If you look around, such such an unusual group of people in a sense, What brings us together? So many different people. We're worshiping the same God and there's a beautiful unity in that. When we gather, we create an experience, an expression of family together. And these first two, if we look at these first two, I just wanna, ooh, sorry, I just wanna say, uh, these two are a little bit uncomfortable because do you see what they do? They actually challenge and confront our selfish tendencies. Because we like to go, okay, well, what's convenient for me? What do I like? What suits me? But if we're saying, okay, no, I am joining an ancient faith, and so I don't get to choose what I do. No, I ask, go, well, what does God's word tell me the people of God do? That's what I get to join. I actually almost have to submit to that. And I put family first, not me first, not how I'm gonna benefit and grow. And, and we do benefit and grow, and I'm gonna get to that next. But actually we're going, part of my curriculum as a Christ follower is learning to be more sacrificial, more selfless, where I actually have to put others first, not just me and mine and what I want, but what does God want for me? And how do I live in a way that I'm serving and loving other people? So let's look at the next reason. We, we gather for our alignment. 
we gather for our formation. When we gather consistently and regularly, we are being formed in the process. We are being shaped in the process. So Alan and I, we joined Common Ground 21 years ago. And when we were trying to choose a church, one of the things that drew us to Common Ground was that every week we felt we sat under teaching that challenged us. And it's still true today. Each week we feel that something is challenged, we're confronted with something, we have to shift something. Something has been formed in us as we sit under God's word. And isn't that what happens as we come together, as we worship, as we pray, when we take communion, when we listen to God's word, we're coming back into alignment with God and who he is and who we are in relationship to him and what his plans and his purposes are. I'm sure you've experienced this many times. You arrive at church and you're distracted and your mind is full of yourself and your own situation, whatever you're facing, whatever you're worried about. And then you come in and maybe someone prays and you settle a bit and someone reads a scripture and it reorientates you. Or we sing a song of worship, like we did this morning. We sang that song, um, your love is alive. (laughs) Your kingdom is alive. And as we sing that, oh, something reorientates in us. Yes, God, you're alive, you're here. And I'm reorientated to that. And suddenly the attention is off me and me and my stuff and my story, and I'm focused again on God. John Ortberg puts it so well. He says, I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and instead I can live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and I plod through life with blinders on. My natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. And so I need to worship, to take my eyes off myself, put them on God. I want you to think about a magnet. Now, I don't know if you know that when a magnet loses its magnetism, the way to re-magnetize it is to put it into contact with a stronger magnet. And that's how it gets re-energized or re-magnetized. And in a sense, that's what we do every Sunday. We come, the weaker magnet that's lost a little bit of our strength in the week, and we come to align to the stronger magnet who's gonna re-energize us and re-magnetize us. And I know that we can do that on our own. In the week, we'll read the Bible, we'll worship, we will be re-magnetized. But there's something about gathering that helps us do that. It's almost like everybody else helps you just line up your magnets so that you can be re-magnetized, especially on those days when it's hard, when you're struggling, when you're feeling weak, or even if you're just distracted. Somehow gathering together helps us do that. And not only are we aligned, but then we are being formed because we sit under the preaching, we submit to the word of God. You know, Ryan often uses this image that God's word is a waterfall of grace and truth to our lives. And as I was thinking about that image, I was thinking about the stone that sits at the, like in the fall of the waterfall or in the river. What happens to that stone over time as the water washes over it? It gets shaped, it gets rounded, it gets smoothed because of the consistent flow of the water. And that's what we wanna be. We wanna be those stones who are being formed and shaped as we sit under the waterfall of God's love and truth. Some of you might be going, oh, that's great, Lou. 
but you know, it's quite a lot. Two hours every Sunday. I'm more like a every second week, every third week, I'll come. That's great. You know, I've got quite a lot on, quite busy. And, and I would, maybe I could say, well, let's talk about how much time you watch TV or how much time you spend in the gym or how many hours you spend on social media. But, but I'm not going to do that. Rather, I'm just going to say, why don't you just put it in the diary? Why don't you just prioritize it and say, I'm going to consistently and regularly make this a priority and see what God does. See how God uses that time. The other thing we often hear is, well, you know, I can actually get better content somewhere else. You know, I listen to so-and-so, I subscribe to this great podcast. That person, it was a gifted teacher, is much more eloquent than you, much shorter than you. Um, you know, I, it's so easy to listen to, better theologically equipped, great content. And, and yes, you tr- it's totally true. But can you see the, the consumeristic mentality that's creeping in there? Well, I get what I want, when I want, I get to choose the speaker, I get to choose the length, I get to choose the topic. In a sense, I get to choose my own spiritual curriculum and what I want God to say to me. And that it's great content, but that person doesn't know you. (laughs) And if you're saying I'm part of this family, and these are my leaders, and these are my people, and it's not only what God is gonna say to me, but what is God gonna say to us? And it's not only what I can get, but it's also what I can give. Then we have to challenge that kind of mindset. Say, yes, that's great as a supplement, but it cannot be a substitute for gathering together. And one of the reasons is that it's not just content, it's presence. Your presence in the room, the presence of God, the presence of other people. And so that brings me to my fourth point. Why we gather is we gather to delight in and to experience His presence. His presence, we are the people of God. That's what marks us, that's what makes us different. We're not just a random group of people gathering here, half past eight in Rondebosch on a Sunday. No, we are the people of God. And that means we are marked by Him. We are marked by His presence. And God delights to pour out His presence on His people. That's why gathering often brings us so much joy because God blesses His people with his spirit and his presence as we gather. Jesus made that promise, where two or more are in my name gathering, I will be with you. My presence will be with you. And we know he's with us when we're apart, we know that. But he's with us in a unique way as we gather. God loves to manifest himself amongst his people. We expect his presence to come, we expect his spirit to break in. And in scripture, time and time again, we see these profound expressions of the spirit, the presence of God as his people gather. I wanna look at just two examples, one from the Old Testament. Remember we referred to Solomon dedicating the temple? What happens, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests couldn't enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped. And they gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. God's presence is in that place and the people, wow, they fall down. They are struck by this. Let's look at Acts 
Let's go back there, Acts chapter four now. Momentum is building, the church is growing, but opposition is also growing. And so we see Peter and John, they've just been in jail, they've been told stop preaching, stop preaching this word. And we pick up the story, chapter four, verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Can you see it? They gathered, they're praying, they're asking God for more. What happens? And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The place in which they were gathered was shaken. That Greek word means to shake or agitate like the wind. We know about wind in Cape Town. Think of it, that moment when you come around the corner and the car, the car gets hit by the wind and the car shakes. I imagine it's something like that. The whole place was shaken. God's presence is there. That's what happened last Sunday here in this place. We experienced something like this. The power of God's word being preached, God moving, people responding, people encountering his presence, and we saw over 30 people getting baptized. So here's a couple of those pictures of people going through the waters of baptism. And this next picture sums it up for me. So this is Paul. Um, his pot, he, it was actually this meeting, so you guys probably remember this, but he, he came on Sunday, and he heard the word of God, and he encountered God, and he was moved. And he decided, he's known Christ for many, many years, he decided to respond and get baptized. It was a powerful morning. You can see he's visibly moved by this encounter with God. Now, when Paul woke up last Sunday, he didn't know that was gonna happen, but he arrived and he showed up and he encountered God. God moved, wow. And if you missed last Sunday, because you were on a run or you went shopping or you decided to just sleep in. You missed out, you missed out and you should have FOMO because it was amazing. And through the whole day, we just had these amazing stories of God showing up. And this is the meeting that gets streamed. So let me take a quick moment for those who are joining us online. Now we know many people join us online because they, they can't get here and they have a valid reason for doing so and we totally respect that. But if you are online and you are able to be here and you are choosing not to be, come because you are missing out. Come and be in the room with us. We would love to have you here with us. Don't miss out on the presence of God. So let's go to the final point. The fifth reason why it's important to gather is we gather for visibility and we gather for mission. Because when we gather, we become visible to the world around us. We are an outpost of the kingdom. Think of us as an earthly embassy of a heavenly kingdom. And so as we gather, we make that kingdom visible because we are audible, we are touchable. Physically, we are here. And so we become a physical expression of the kingdom of God, right in the midst here of Rondebosch, of our community, of our city. We become a gospel access point for our city. And so when we gather, there's an evangelistic function because we gather in part for the outsider, for the not yet believer. So to put it simply, we gather so that others can join us. It's not just about us. 1 Peter 2 says this, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others 
the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And that's what we do when we gather. We show in others the goodness of God. As we worship, as we declare him, as we show our devotion to him, we are putting Jesus on display. And we're saying to our city, come and see, come and see, God is real. God is good. God is alive. We are a physical expression of this kingdom. And of course, we know people don't only encounter God here. We know we, we take Jesus with us when we go and we, we are on mission all the time. We know that. But something happens when we gather together and we get to do it together. So I wanna leave one last image with you. Jesus said these words. He said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Now, this isn't fishing with a rod and a reel on your own, like in a beautiful place by the lake. No, fishing in the Bible, fishing for the disciples, it was fishing with nets. So have a look at this image. This is a kind of image we're familiar with this in Cape Town, fishing with nets. It's a team sport. So I want you to imagine this for a moment. You've got a friend. Maybe he's a work colleague, maybe he's someone you met socially, someone at your sports club. Let's call him John. Now, John doesn't really know God, but he's a nice guy, and you get to know him, and you've got a heart for him, and you start to pray for him. It feels like God might want to do something here, so you pray for him, and you pray, and you chat, and one day it comes out that you're a Christ follower. Maybe he invites you for a run, and you go, sorry, I, actually, I'm going to church then, and it's a little bit awkward, and you go, okay, well, let's go running another time, and while you're running, you get chatting, and he goes, oh, so you go to church. Oh, I think Jesus is quite cool. I just, it's the Bible. I don't really understand the Bible. And you chat some more and you go, well, why don't you come with me? Each week we just try and unpack the Bible and make sense of it. Come join me at church. And he comes. Maybe you even pick him up. You bring, give him a lift. So far, it's just been you. And then he walks through the door. And there he spots, oh, there's Michael and Nicole. They do the park run with him on a Saturday. And there's Jane, she used to be a teacher at his kids' school. Oh, and look there, there's, there's that lady, what's her name again? Oh, she, she did a kitchen renovation in our home. I know her. And Sonny goes, oh, all these people here, I know these people, I like these people, and they're here, that's great. This can't be such a bad place. <laughs> it's just a regular Sunday. And at the end, he gets a cup of coffee and he has a conversation with someone. I bet you it's not even about church. It's about rugby, I bet you, because that's what we talk about here in Cape Town. But he enjoys it and he comes back. And God moves. And one day, he's listening to the preacher and something clicks and he's convicted and he hears the gospel and he kind of understands it for the first time. Or the band are playing and he has that sense of something unusual. This is God's presence. He experiences something of God's spirit at work. It's not just about you. Yes, you've brought him, but as you've done that, your fishing buddies have come alongside with the net and just help that person to encounter Jesus. You've opened the door, but they have come and met Jesus. And I know some of you are going, oh, Lou, that's a lovely story, eh? but it's a little bit far-fetched. Let me tell you, it happens all the time. Time and time again, we hear the stories of someone who brings a family member or a digs mate or someone from work or varsity and they come and they are touched and reached not only by the person who brought them but by what happens when they get here, by the people they meet, by what they see and experience as God becomes visible, as God's people become visible. John's story is the story of many people in our community. I've called him John. You probably know him or her by another name. Maybe you are John. 
right here in this room, if I had to ask, how many of us came to faith because of an invitation? An invitation to come to church, to come to an event, to come to Alpha, maybe to go on a camp. We were invited and we responded. Someone reached out. And so we say every Sunday, we're here. Every Sunday is a great Sunday to visit. Every Sunday is a great Sunday to bring a guest with you. And again, that's what happened last week. So people were getting baptized and they invited their friends and their family to join them and be part of it. You know, for some people, that was their first time in church. They'd never been in church. We had some people who came as guests and then they chose to get baptized themselves. It was amazing. In our 1030 meeting, we had a guy join us. He walks past, back and forth past our church all the time. It's on his way to work. And he's been meaning to visit. And something told him, last Sunday, this is the day. So he arrived, first time. And he heard the gospel, and he believed, and he was baptized. And it was an incredible story of him meeting God. So as we meet to encounter God, we're hungry for that, but we are so hungry for others to encounter God with us. And so we meet to be visible, to be an expression, to be a gospel access point for other people. That's why we gather, that's why we gather.